Well, let's go to the Word of God tonight. And um, uh, in the book of Matthew, I'm going to go to the book of Matthew tonight and uh, to the sixth chapter of Matthew. Now, when you go to Matthew 6 and uh, the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapter of Matthew, as you're aware of, most everybody knows, is the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this was the very first uh, major message that Jesus gave when he began his, um, his earthly ministry. He starts in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes and, and teaches, uh, begins to teach about you know, the blessing of God and how to live and how life in the kingdom of God should be. and um, But then he also deals with, um, in the sixth chapter of Matthew, he, he deals with the subjects, three different things. He talks about, he talks about giving, talks about giving alms and how to give and how not to give. He talks about prayer and how to pray and how not to pray. And he talks about fasting and how to, to fast and how not to fast. And when you, read, when you read there in Matthew chapter 6 about giving and praying and fasting, Jesus, it's, it's interesting to notice that he, that he says when you give alms or, and when you pray and when you fast. He didn't say if you do it or if you think it's a good idea. He was just taking it for granted. That, that's something that we as Christians we're going to be doing. We're going to be giving. We're going to be praying. We're going to be fasting. And so um, I want to talk to you tonight from that sixth chapter of Matthew and, and deal with something that Jesus, some things that Jesus talks about here um, concerning prayer. Now we've we've dealt with uh, we've dealt with the uh, the Lord's prayer, and I don't think we'll have time to get into that tonight. But it is the model prayer that Jesus has given us, teaching us how to pray. And we've dealt with the Lord's prayer, but there's something that I want to deal with here this evening uh, from this sixth chapter of Matthew, and I want uh, I want us to look at why we should pray. And let's read here in Matthew, let's read here in Matthew chapter number 6, see what Jesus says. In verse number 5, he says this, he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Uh, did you know that hypocrites pray? Jesus said they did. He said, you'll not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, uh, go into your room. The King James says, go into your closet or into your room or into a, a private, secluded, secret place. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in, uh, in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. And notice what he says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Now, in this passage of Scripture, on the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, here, as I said, is teaching about prayer. He's talking about secret prayer. He's talking about private prayer. Now, you know, we, we pray corporately. You know, we have corporate prayer meetings, and there's, uh, there's great benefit and there's great blessing in united prayer and corporate prayer when the church can come together and pray as a body of believers and have those prayer meetings. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about that, and we do that. But here Jesus is, is talking about private prayer. He's talking about our individual private prayer lives, secret prayer, getting into the closet and praying, having a place, a private chamber, a private prayer room where you can go in and shut the door, wherever that may be. And he's just talking about getting alone with, with, with God and being alone with God. 
And uh, so we need that every day, every single day. And Jesus said when we do that, um, so, you know, he's expecting us to, to do that and to have a prayer life. Jesus dealt with here uh, in this passage about using vain repetition. And he says not to use vain repetition when we pray. Now, some have said that that means that we shouldn't ever ask um, God the same request more than once. If you prayed more than once, that would be wrong to repeat that. And that's not what the Lord's talking about here. Uh, he's talking about, you know, those, the heathen. He said, he said, don't use uh, vain repetitions as the heathen do. And they would chant and just uh, make chants and pray mantras. And Jesus is saying, you don't, you don't need to make those vain repetitions and do that because the reason why is because he says, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. I like that. He said, God knows what you need. He knows. Uh, of course, we understand that God knows all things. So even before we pray, God knows what we have need of. So we don't have to go on and on and on and, and continually repeat the same request, you know, and uh, over and over and over and over again because he said, the Lord knows what you have need of. But some people have kindly misconstrued this. And, uh, and, and you know, when they read that where Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you pray, well, they think then why, why do we even need to pray? What's the use in praying? Why should I have to pray? I mean, if God already knows what I need and He's the Almighty God and He's my Heavenly Father and He's sovereign, then why should I even have to pray? God's just going to work everything out for me the way He wants to anyway. I, I don't see any need in praying. And, uh, you know, sadly, sadly, some people have taken that attitude about prayer. And, um, and just don't pray because they think, well, God knows what I need of. Why should I pray? But yet Jesus said, even though the Heavenly Father knows what we have need of before we pray, He still says that we need to pray. So if we take that kind of an attitude of, of well, you know, why pray? What's the use in praying? God knows what I need. That's the wrong attitude to have because prayer is vital to the life of the Christian, the life of the believer. He, uh, it's so important that we pray, that we have a prayer life. You know, the Christian life is a personal relationship with God. Um, there's, there's, the Christianity is not a religion, and I know it gets classified as a religion, but Christianity is a relationship, and it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with God as your heavenly Father. And your prayer, a prayer shouldn't be something that is dull, something that is boring, something that we, you know, that we dread doing. It shouldn't be that way at all. Prayer should be something that's dynamic. Prayer should be something that we look forward to every day. Should be something that we have a desire to do, to commune. When you stop and think about the fact that we get to commune and fellowship with our Heavenly Father, that is such an awesome, awesome thing. So, um, so I want us to look at the fact of, uh, at, this, at, this, uh, at this statement that Jesus made. Why do we need to pray? If God already knows what we have need of, then He's going to take care of it. Why do we even need to pray at all? Well, there's, there's three main reasons that I just want to mention to you tonight of, of why we need to pray. And the first one is this, that we need, we need to pray because prayer is a way that we acknowledge God in our life. We need to be able to uh, have those times of prayer to acknowledge God in our life. Sometimes we think that prayer, all that prayer is, and I think I mentioned this the other day, that people just use prayer many times for a spare tire when they get in trouble. 
And uh, uh, prayer is not to be a spare tire, just to use uh, when you have a, 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 a terrible situation happen in your life. But prayer needs to be your steering wheel. It needs to be the, the, the thing that guides and directs your life. So the reason we pray is because prayer acknowledges God in our life. Prayer, and, and I want you to get this because this is so important. This is so important. I believe if we'll get a hold of these things, it would change, it will change the way that we look at the, our prayer time and our prayer life. Because prayer allows God into our lives both generally and specifically. I said prayer allows God. It's us inviting God. When we pray, it's you and I inviting God to have a part in our life and to work in our life. Now, you know, somebody said, well, why do I need to do that? I mean, God's just going to do what He wants to anyway. Well, see, here's the thing. If you don't want God in your life, then He's not going to come. Our relationship with God is based on our choice. God never forces Himself on anybody. He'll never just force Himself in your life or, or do, do something for you unless you acknowledge Him that you want Him and that you need Him and you desire Him to do something to work in your life. You remember in the book of Revelation, when Jesus was giving the messages to the seven churches. And in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20, Jesus, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. You know, we use that verse of Scripture a lot. Uh, for the sinner, referring to somebody that's unsaved. And we say, well, you know, Jesus is knocking on the, the heart's door of the sinner, and which he is. That, is. that is true. He is standing at the door of, of the sinner's heart, dealing with them, asking for entrance into their heart and into their life. But this, this verse wasn't really, it was, Jesus wasn't speaking to the sinner in Revelation 3 and 20. He was talking to the church. He was talking to Christians, to believers. And he said, I'm standing at the door and knocking and, and uh, just asking, uh, knocking and waiting for someone to open the door and invite me in. See, I think it's interesting to notice that Jesus said that he's knocking on the door. He's not pounding on the door. He's not, he's not kicking the door down. He's not forcing an entry into your heart or into your life. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? He's not forcing himself on you. And listen, Jesus will never do that. He will never force himself on anyone or on anyone in anyone's life. He's not going to break the door down. He's never going to intrude where he's not welcomed or where he's not invited. That's why he is always waiting for us to invite him into our life. Prayer is, is the means and the uh, avenue through which we invite, we open our heart to invite the Lord into our life, to work in our life, to do something for us, to help us, and, and to give us what we need every day of our life. It's not something that's just automatic. That's why we pray. Yeah, God knows what we have need of before we pray, but yet He wants us to invite Him into our life, to acknowledge our need of Him. Do you understand that? He wants you to acknowledge that you need Him in your life. Amen? Now, someone made, a, uh, made this statement, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but... Um, Someone said that a day without prayer is a boast against God. A day without prayer is a boast against God. What do you mean by that, Brother Rick? What is that, what is that saying? Well, it's saying that um, if we don't pray, if I don't see my need of prayer, if I just neglect the prayer closet, then what I'm actually, by my actions of not of not praying, what I'm saying to the Lord is, hey, I got this. I'm in control of this situation. 
I really don't need the help of the Lord. I don't need God to work in this in my life. I, I, I think I can handle this on my own. Well, you know, I tell you what, I tell you what, I've found out a lot of times the things that I could handle, I thought that I could handle on my own. I couldn't handle on my own. I needed the Lord. And I needed the Lord to intervene and help me. And that's what prayer is all about. That's what God is wanting us to do in prayer is to acknowledge Him and our need of Him. You know, prayer, and I know some people might not agree with this, but prayer is actually a language of weakness. It's the language of weakness. You say, well, language of weakness? How can prayer be the language of weakness? Because when we go to God in prayer, we are saying to the Lord, just by the fact that we're, we're going to Him every day in prayer, we're saying, Lord, I need you in my life. I cannot make it on my own. I can't handle this situation by myself. I need you in my life. Amen. How many feels that way tonight? That you can't make it without the help of the Lord. And see, God knows. God knows what you need. And what you need more than anything in the world is you need Him. You need the Lord to help you in your life. We've got a We've got a picture on our coffee bar where our coffee pot and everything is, and it's a saying, you know, and everybody, it's, everybody's probably got, got one of these or seen one of these, but it says, all I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. Well, you know what? That's that. I have to say, man, that, that every morning when I get up and I make the coffee and and uh, pour me a cup of coffee, I see that I see that there, you know, where it says, "All I need today is a little bit of coffee," and I have to have that, and but a whole lot of Jesus. And I acknowledge my need of Him every single day of my life. Amen. You need Him, and that's what prayer says. It says, God, I need you. I know you know what I need, but I, I'm acknowledging that I need you, and I need you to help me in my life. See, here's the thing we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. We, we are sheep. Amen? The Bible tells us, likens us to being sheep. And uh, hopefully you're a sheep and not a goat. Amen? But uh, <laughs> we, we're sheep, and sheep have to have a shepherd. Now, when you think about sheep, uh, and I don't want to offend anybody because we're all in the same category, and Jesus is the one that, that refers to us as sheep. The Word of God refers to us as sheep. But sheep are not the, the most intelligent of animals. Uh, sheep need a lot of help. And when you think about a sheep, which that's who we are and what we are, uh, sheep are not very good at navigation. They can't navigate very well. I don't think you've ever heard of a homing sheep, have you? Uh, you know, we hear of, we, we know what a homing pigeon is, but we don't, we don't, we don't talk about sheep being, well, he, we got a homing sheep here. He can find his way anywhere because that's just not, that's just not the way sheep are. Um, they tend to wander. Sheep tend to lose direction. Sheep e are easily lost, and and they they can if they don't have somebody to guide them, if they don't have a shepherd to lead them, they can wander off the off the path, and they can get lost very easily. They've got to have a guide, and so um, that's the way we are. And prayer in prayer is where we receive our guidance, where we receive our leading, where we receive our direction. Aren't you glad that you got a good shepherd today that will lead us, guide us, and give us direction in our life? He, he wants us to ask him for that direction. Amen. He wants you to ask for that guidance and that direction. Praise God. Now, so sheep can't navigate very well. And uh, but another thing about sheep is they can't bear burdens. They don't bear burdens. You've never heard of a pack sheep, amen. You've heard of a pack mule, um, where you know they they load it down with a heavy load, and that mule can you know can uh, mule can carry that heavy load. But you've never heard of a, doing that to a sheep because sheep 
are not meant to bear burdens. Uh, And in the same way, you and I as sheep, we're not meant, God never meant for us to bear heavy loads and to bear heavy burdens. We're to, matter of fact, we're to cast our burden upon the Lord, take our needs to Him, our burdens to Him, and cast our burden. Psalm 55 and 22 said, cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of our care upon Him, for He cares for you. Amen. Jesus said, uh, he said, take my yoke upon me. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, you know, prayer is a way that we can unburden ourselves. Un, uh, and, and lighten the load. Hallelujah. Because we're sheep and we weren't meant to be burdened down. And God doesn't intend us for us to be burdened down. So sheep can't navigate. They need guidance. Prayer gives us guidance. Sheep are not meant to carry heavy burdens. And we can't, we're not meant to do that either. And the Lord doesn't want us to. So prayer is a place that we can go and be in the presence of God and unload and unburden ourselves. How many times have you went to prayer, been loaded down with care, maybe worried about something, burdened about something, had a heaviness on your heart, but, but you go to the Lord and you spend time in the presence of God, fellowshipping with God, and you come out of that prayer closet just light, and, uh, and unburdened, and the load is gone. The problem may still be there, but praise God, you're not burdened down with that load of care anymore. That's what prayer's for. That's what prayer will do. Amen? It's there we leave our burdens and cares. So, so, so sheep can't navigate very well, need a shepherd to lead them. Sheep can't bear heavy burdens. They need, they need to be unburdened and unloaded. And, and sheep, here's another thing about sheep, they can't defend themselves. I don't think any of us have ever heard of an attack sheep. Amen? We've heard of an attack dog. But, uh, but sheep are, are, are very mild-mannered creatures. They're not, they're not a, the animals that attack. They're not fierce. They're not ferocious. They're very docile. And so uh, they can't, sheep can't defend themselves very well. They need somebody to protect them. They need a shepherd to watch over them and to protect them and to keep them safe. Well, praise God for the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our protector. And it's in those times of prayer. It's in prayer where we're trusting and believing the Lord for his protection and his covering in our life. Hallelujah. David said in Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you, who the good shepherd is with me and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. So we as sheep are easy prey for the wolves. I mean, if we don't have a shepherd, if we're not being watched over and cared for and protected and have the help of the shepherd, we're easy Pray for the enemy. So that's why we need prayer. In prayer, we're acknowledging God. We're saying, I need you today. I can't make it without you. I've got to have your help. Praise the Lord. That's why we pray, even though God knows what we have need of before we pray. We acknowledge His working in our life and that we need Him today and every day in our life. Amen? Prayer says, I'm choosing the Lord as my shepherd. Lord, I need your direction. How many of y'all today could say, I need a guide. I need some direction. I need leadership. So what do we do? We welcome and we invite the Lord into our life to control our life. And that's what prayer does. It acknowledges God and welcomes Him into our life. I'm inviting you, Lord, into my home. I'm inviting you into my family. I'm inviting you into my situation. I'm inviting you into my marriage in every area of my life. I'm inviting you into my my finances. And when we invite the Lord in and acknowledge Him and invite Him into our life, I'm going to tell you what, 100% of the time, when we open that door, Jesus is knocking and 
we open that door of our heart and say, come in, Lord, I need you today. Let's have, let's have some fellowship together today. 100% of the time, Jesus says, yes. The heavenly father says, yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll come in. I'll sup with you. I'll, I'll, I'll bless you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. That's what prayer is all about. That's why we need prayer in our life today. Amen. It acknowledges God. But the second, the second reason we need prayer is this. Prayer builds, we need prayer to build our relationship with God. I said a while ago, Christianity is a relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's a relationship with God. And we need prayer to build that relationship. See, there's something about prayer. I don't know, you know, people think about prayer and they think, well, it's just, it's just kneeling down for a few minutes and rattling off a few requests and saying, God, uh, bless, the, bless this one, bless that one, bless this one. Give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. And, uh, you know, sometimes in prayer, we're kind of like the, the guy that said, my name is Jimmy. And I'll take all that you'll give me. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not what prayer is all about. Prayer is not just a dialogue or, or not just a monologue, but prayer is a dialogue. Prayer is, our, is a communion and a communication with the Heavenly Father, with the Lord. It's you talking to God, but in prayer it's God also talking to you. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. God wants to speak to you. And God wants to speak into your life. He wants to talk to you. And prayer, in prayer and, and, and in the Word of God, um, that's where God can, can talk to you, can speak to you, can commune with you. And prayer is just simply, prayer, prayer is going to the Lord and talking things over with Him. Telling Him what you need for that day. Telling Him your, 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 your struggles and your problems. Just talking things over with the Lord and letting Him talk to you. And you know, I've said this before. I've said this a lot of times. I can't tell God anything that He doesn't already know. But I'm going to tell you what, God can tell me a lot of things that I don't know. Amen. And that's one of the that's one of the purposes and the reasons for prayer. It's a time of communion. You know, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden, and the Bible said that he came, he came down, God did, came down every day uh, in the cool of the day, and he fellowshiped. With his, with his creation. He fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. And uh, they communed together. They walked through the garden. They talked with one another. They communed together. They had fellowship. God wants that fellowship. You know, Adam didn't have anything to pray about as far as needs. He didn't have any needs. There wasn't any sickness. He didn't need to be praying for healing. He didn't need to be praying for, you know, for food or, or, or anything any, against any problems and, and anything like that because, I mean, everything was perfect there in the, in the garden. It was just him and God and them walking together, talking together, and fellowshipping together every day. God was having time of communion with Adam. And you know what? God, I've, I've found this out in my life, that God wants, He listen, God wants to spend time with you. He wants, you know, God wants Ricky time in my life. He wants time with me. He wants time with you. God loves you. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're not supposed to look at prayer as some kind of an obligation that we have and just something to mark off of our list every day. Well, okay, I, I, I read my chapter in the Bible and I prayed for 10 minutes and this and that. No, it's not something obligatory to us. But prayer is, is, is something we should look forward to every day when we can get into the presence of God and fellowship with Him and commune with Him. One hour in the presence of God, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will we'll do more good for you than, than anything you can imagine. Glory to God. We spend so much time doing other things. We spend so much time, you know, on our... Uh, 
on our devices, uh, which sometimes are vices, but um, we, we spend so much time with, with Facebook and watching television and so many other things and, and so little time in the presence of God. But God wants, wants to spend time with you. He wants that alone time with you. Amen. You know, I, I, you know, just like you want time with your family. Husbands and wives have time together. Um, parents and kids need time together. Uh, grandparents and grandkids need that time together. And a lot of that's missing right now. You know, uh, uh, grandparents aren't getting to see their getting to see their uh, grandchildren because of the quarantine and thing and their thing that things that are going on, and they're missing that that time with those grandkids. Oh, you know, we can FaceTime and Marco Polo and all that, but it's just not the same as that one-on-one -on -one communication and that face-to-face -face fellowship and communication. And that's, that's what God wants with you. That's why, even though He knows what you have need of, that's why He wants you to come to Him and commune with Him and fellowship with Him. He longs for that fellowship. And ladies and gentlemen, there was a great price that was paid at the cross of Calvary you, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The price was paid. The blood of Jesus bought you that entrance into the throne room of Almighty God, into the Holy of Holies. My Lord, you can come into the very Holy of Holies, into the very presence of the Lord because of the blood of Jesus. You have a right to be there. You have the privilege to be there in the presence of God, to acknowledge Him for who He is, to acknowledge your need of Him, and to build a relationship with Him. Amen? He wants to commune with you. He wants to talk to you. Amen. The voice of God and the presence of God is, is the most precious, most important, most precious thing in your life today. We must hear from the Lord. I've got to have a relationship with Him and build that relationship every day through prayer. The Apostle Paul said, and you know, nobody, I don't know that there was anybody that was any closer to God than the Apostle Paul, but Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul, he, he wanted to know Jesus Christ in a more intimate way. That should be the desire of every one of us. Amen. Praise God. So listen, why do we pray? What's the use in praying? If God knows what we need, why do we, why do we have to spend time in prayer? Why should we do that? Well, we're acknowledging God that we need Him in our life. We're building a relationship with Him in our time of prayer. And, uh, but thirdly, we need to pray to exercise our spiritual authority. To exercise our spiritual authority. And I want I want to just I want to I want to touch on this a little bit because this is something that we I think that we miss out on, and uh, that is the that is the fact that the Bible teaches us that through the Lord Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ we have a spiritual authority that's been delegated to us uh, through the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, because of the relationship we have with the Lord, we have that spiritual authority. Now, you know, you go all the way back to, uh, to, the, to the book of Genesis, in chapter 1 of Genesis, when God uh, created Adam and Eve, put them in that garden. Of course, He had created everything for them before He created them, put them in that garden. But then God gave Adam dominion over the earth. He gave him dominion over the animals. He gave him dominion over all the earth, and he told him to to um, to subdue the earth and and to to rule in the earth. And so Adam had that dominion. Well, we know what happened. You know, Adam fell, and he wound up losing the dominion that he had through sin and through the fall. But then Jesus, though, at Calvary, did something. Jesus. 
uh, restored that lost dominion. He got it back. Jesus, oh hallelujah, I'm coming on shouting ground now. Jesus totally defeated Satan and the powers of darkness at Calvary, and he restored that lost dominion to the body of Christ and to the believer. Amen. Um, he got it back at Calvary. I mean, the prophecy that after the fall there in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, you know, God uh, put that curse upon the serpent and he, he gave that prophecy there in Genesis 3.15 and, and said that the, the coming seed of the woman, that Satan would bruise that seed's heel, but that that coming, that seed of the woman that was coming was coming to bruise and to crush the head of the serpent. Praise God. It was God speaking the prophecy and saying that that coming seed, that redeemer, that seed of the woman that's coming is going to totally defeat you, Satan. And he's going to get that authority and dominion back. He's going to undo what you have done. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what Jesus did at Calvary. He defeated Satan. He crushed the head of the serpent. Hallelujah. He stripped Satan of his power and his authority over the body of Christ, over the church, and over those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you remember in the book of, uh, in the book of Luke, when Jesus had sent out the, ten, or the 12 uh, apostles, he'd sent the apostles out to, uh, to heal the sick, cast out devils, you know, and to, to preach the gospel. And then he called another 70 together, and he sent the 70 out as well to do the same thing. And he gave them a th power and authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to preach the gospel. He told them, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils freely. You've received freely give. And so the 70 come back. They go out on an evangelistic campaign. They come back rejoicing uh, and just shouting the victory. Man, they were just having them a spell. They were, they were rejoicing. And um, because, they said they were rejoicing because that even the demons were subject to them through the name of Jesus. Man, there's an awesome thought right there that, that, that the name of Jesus had power and authority over demon spirits and demon powers even before the cross. How powerful the authority was in the name. Oh, glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Do you understand that we, the body of Christ, the, as, as, as children of God, we have been given the right, the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus still has power and authority today. Glory to God. All power is given to Jesus in heaven and earth and at, at the name of Jesus, every knee, Every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His, he's been given a name, the name that is above every name. So there's power in the name of Jesus today. There's authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those 70 came back rejoicing that the demons were subject to them uh, through the name of Jesus. And, and, and Jesus said this to them. He said, he said, I, saw, I, he said I, I beheld Satan falling as lightning from heaven. And he said this in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. He said, Behold, I give to you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that was authority that Jesus had given to those 70, authority that he had given to the 12. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that same authority on this side of the cross has been given to the, to the church, to the body of Christ, and to those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb and who are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. 
Christ Jesus lives on the inside of you and He has given to you authority, the right and the privilege to use His name and given us authority over the powers of darkness today. Hallelujah. Jesus went on to tell them, He said, listen, He said, demons are, I've given you this authority over serpents to tread on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions are types of Satan. They're types of the powers of darkness. He said, I've given you the authority to trample them under your feet. Those powers of darkness are under the feet of the church. We're the body of Christ. And those powers of, of, of Satan are under the feet of the body of Christ today. Praise God. But then he went on to tell them, I've given you that authority over all the, the power of the enemy. But he said, don't rejoice because of this. This is a fact. But he said, you need to rejoice rather because your names are written down in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. Well, praise God. I'm glad I'm saved today. How about you? But I'm glad today that Jesus has given us authority that Satan, the powers of darkness, should not be controlling the life of the believer. Satan is not in control of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan is not to lord it over your life anymore you have been, if you're, if you're saved and born again, you have been delivered from Colossians 1.13. You, he, is, he has delivered us from the authority of darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm not in Satan's kingdom anymore. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. I am now in the kingdom of God's son and I have... Hallelujah, the right, the privilege to use the name of Jesus. The Bible says that greater is he, greater is he, you know it, don't you? Greater is he that is in you, that is in us, than he that is in the world. The greater one, the Lord Jesus, the victor, the conqueror, the overcomer, the resurrected Christ lives on the inside of you. Praise God. And it's in prayer, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about why pray. It's in prayer that we acknowledge that we need God. It's in prayer that we build a relationship with God. And it's in prayer that we exercise the authority that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has given to us over the powers of darkness. Amen? Jesus, in his great commission in Mark chapter 16, he said that these signs will follow them that believe. And the very first one he says, in my name they shall cast out demons. Hallelujah. He went on to say, they'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. Now he wasn't talking about snake handling. He wasn't talking about getting a basket of rattlesnakes and, and proving your faith by handling rattlesnakes. No, not at all. He was talking about we would be able to take up uh, that old serpent, the devil, to overcome the powers of darkness. Listen, there's power in the name of Jesus and there's authority that's been given to the church today. And I think we, I think we as believers in the church needs to, to reinvestigate this and realize this and understand this, that Jesus has given us the authority. And we're living beneath our privilege many times. This authority is, is, is exercised, this spiritual authority, it's delegated authority. It's delegated by Jesus Christ to his church, and it needs to be exercised in prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 18, and verse 18, and I'm trying to close. I didn't mean to, to go on this long, but uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, Surely I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The New American Standard talks about, uh, says it kindly this way, that whatever you loose, bind on earth, is what is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is what is already loosed in heaven. So we're just, we're just bringing the will of heaven, what's God's will in heaven, to the earth. Amen. We do that through prayer. Jesus taught us that's one of the principles of prayer in the Lord's Prayer where he said, your will be done in earth 
as it is in heaven. We're enforcing the will of the Lord and the victory of Calvary in the earth today. Praise God. That's what we need to be doing as a body of Christ. So he said, whatever you bind on earth, that word bind means to disallow. Whatever you loose on earth, that word means, that word loose means to allow. The Amplified Translation says, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. So, ladies and gentlemen, what Jesus is saying there is he's teaching us the, the, the authority that we have to bind and loose, to bind the powers of darkness that are trying to operate in our life, to loose the powers, the, to loose the power of God to work and to operate in our life. It's the spiritual authority that we have been given as a church. It's enforcing, again, it's enforcing the victory of the cross and enforcing the defeat of Satan in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our church. Satan has no business in your family. He has no business in a church, wreaking havoc in a church. He has no business attacking your body. He has no business putting a spirit of fear upon you. It's time that we, this is what prayer does. This is one of the areas of prayer, is exercising our spiritual authority. Praise God. Listen, there's, there's many of you today that, that Satan, listen, if you've got, if you've got a, a home and a family and children and teenagers. He's after Satan is after those kids. He wants to to get his hold and his grip upon those children. Amen. Well, it's time for moms and dads that are saved and washed in the blood of Jesus to rise up in that spiritual authority and say, no, you don't. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. We bind the spirit of rebellion that's trying to come into this home, that's trying to hold our children, captivate our children. We forbid it. We disallow it in the name of Jesus. You have that spiritual authority through the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, praise God, and it's exercised through prayer. My, 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 I tell you what, that's some exciting stuff. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers at Calvary, at the cross, and made a show of them openly. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, that Jesus partook the same of the same flesh and blood, partook of flesh and blood, that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. First John 3 and 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy means to undo and to unloose. In other words, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus came to undo and to unloose and to overturn everything the devil has done in your life. And so we can now take that authority and claim the benefits of Calvary and loose loose uh, our, our lives, our homes, our families from the bondages that the enemy would try to bring in our, uh, in our homes and to our life. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why we pray. Hallelujah. That is why we pray. We use that authority in prayer against the devil, against his attacks, and we give him no place in our life. Prayer is a time of communion with God. Prayer is a time of acknowledging our need of God. Prayer is a time of fellowshipping with God. But there is an avenue of prayer. Prayer is a time of intercession for others. We know that. But prayer is also a time when we do spiritual warfare and we, we take our stand, the whole, put on the whole armor of God, and we stand against the wiles of the devil Praise God. That's prayer armor that he's given us, ladies and gentlemen, to have that authority. The Bible says that we are to submit ourselves to God, James said, and resist the devil. Stand against the enemy. Submit to the Lord and resist the devil and he will flee from us. 
Well, the key there is being submitted to God first. Amen? But there's authority that He's given to the body of Christ that we need to use today. So praise God. Thank God for the, uh, for the privilege, the opportunity that God's given us, the invitation that the Lord has given us to pray and to be men and women of prayer. I, I just hope this has encouraged you a little bit tonight to, uh, to spend time with the Lord, to pray. Um, I don't have time to go through the prayer outline. You can read it there. Jesus gives that prayer outline. And, and uh, in, 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 um, in, in the rest of that chapter, there are the re- next few verses, verses 9 through 13. He gives the model prayer on how to pray. But, uh, but, but I hope it's encouraged you tonight to know that uh, this is why we pray. God wants us to spend time with Him. We've got to have our communion and our prayer time and our fellowship with the Lord. Now more than ever before, I, I, you know, my prayer is that there will be some good things come out of all of this, all of this coronavirus mess that there will be some good things come out of it. I would, I, my desire, my prayer is that, Lord, it would cause your people to draw closer to you, that it would cause us to seek you more than we ever have, that it would give us a greater desire for the things of God, and I pray that it will. And so I wanted to share this with you tonight. Listen, if you don't have a prayer life, get one started. Start, start today. Start in the morning. But spend time with God. If it's 10 minutes, if it's 50 minutes, whatever, just build it up, build it up. But start spending time with God, acknowledging Him, seeking His face, asking for His direction, asking for His guidance, acknowledging Him, using your spiritual authority against the enemy, and, and, and praying for protection. All of those things are involved in prayer. Begin your time with the Lord and uh, watch your relationship with the Lord grow and build and get better and better and better and you'll get closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Listen, Jesus is coming soon. We need to be as close to Him as we can. God bless you. It's been good to be able to come to you tonight. Hope that something was said that encouraged you and blessed you tonight. We will look forward to seeing you Sunday morning 10.30, we're going to do our best to start on time, okay? 10.30, out here on the parking lot. Come expecting God to do something great. We love you. We appreciate you. God bless you. You have a great rest of the week.